Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. take me to California for the first time. I thought you meant Coachella or Disneyland. Why here? This is where our father killed our uncle. They're tearing it down. Good. They are not tearing it down. I bought this building. And that building. And that one over there. This will be the first Wakanda International Outreach Center. Nakia will oversee the social outreach. You will spearhead the science and information exchange. <laughs> You're kidding. Yeah? Hey, yo, this yours? Who? Who are you? The world outside your window is still not great, but here on Post Show Recaps, everything is super. It's your Marvel Cinematic Universe Rewatch podcast here on Post Show Recaps, part two of our Black Panther coverage. I'm Josh Wiggler, back on the podcast. Huge thank you to Mike Bloom, who, with literally like two, three hours before we were about to start podcasting, had to fill in for me. He did a great job on the podcast last week. Also doing a great job on the podcast last week. Of course, Kevin Mahadeo, who I'm always reticent to pay a compliment, but Kevin, you were fantastic last week, especially by dropping a lost reference with your introduction. <laughs> it's a lost role for you between this one and then uh, on our Lovecraft Country podcast. And I kind another, of like yeah. engineered the third lost <laughs> reference by bringing it up. I, I may have jinxed it. Uh, could have come up naturally. It's all it downhill not. from here. It's all downhill from here. Latanya Stark's back on the podcast. Latanya, how you doing? You know, all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I refuse. No. Uphill. It's going to be great. Uphill. Everything is great. Um, Everything is super. Everything is not only great, it is super. And I'm happy to be here to talk about this great movie with you two. Um, I am, I'm, I have been very, very excited to talk about Black Panther for a really long time. 
um, the the movie going experience for these for these Marvel movies that stands out to me the most is Black Panther and maybe the first Avengers, maybe Endgame. Those would be the three. Um, I love this movie so much. I have been so excited to talk about it because Kevin like offline you have been like every time we would like stop doing a podcast you would always like be like vibrating being like i can't like you're making making the face you're making (laughs) right now where you do this like smile where you're just like kind of bouncing around a little bit because you were so pumped to get to black panther um and obviously the world is terrible (laughs) the world the world is terrible things are awful uh Beautiful eulogizing of Chadwick Boseman last week. Um, I don't know what more I have to add other than uh, echoing so many of those sentiments, being so sad over losing this brilliant man from our collective lives. Um, So thankful for everything that he brought Um, and really feeling like I want to make sure that we still have the space to just like love on this movie. And like all like the nitty gritty beautiful things about this movie, like the funniness of this movie. This movie so is hysterical. Funny. This movie bops so hard. The music is insane. The action pieces are insane. Does it Michael bop or B. does Jordan, it slap? I, it's hard it's, to keep it's a keep up with that. <laughs> the slap. What's bops the lingo? Too. Slap. This movie. <laughs> this movie is just. It's it's cool as hell Mm -hmm. this movie is just like the coolest movie and i love it so much and kevin specifically like just from like our conversations offline i i know how pumped you've been to to get to this uh and here we are we're talking we're talking about the movie we're talking about everything and we are here to have a really good time getting into black panther yeah um i mean you know i've been thrilled and i've been waiting to get here there's so many things to talk about we definitely I got to touch on it last week, um, you know, obviously in, in, in more of a somber style, but like just the importance of this film was something I've wanted to talk about for a long time. And, you know, I'm so glad that I got to do so. And I got to do so uh, with Latanya, especially just, you know, the impact of this film to people of color and especially to, to black people over, across the world was huge and important. And, necessary and it was just amazing to be able to like kind of voice that out loud in a way but also talk about how this movie the importance of this movie also should influence other things in 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 ways right like again the point of like we need to have more movies like this specifically you know um, movies about people of color by people of color like that's something i said last week i'm absolutely going to restate right now and probably several times um, and the reasons for that we see reflected throughout it and what is what make it makes it so good from the lighting, the colors, the characters. There's just so much in here that is reflected through the um, the lens, the right lens. And I think that's awesome. And it, what's, it's what makes this movie so good. It's what makes it so just incredible and, and, and one of the best uh, movies in the MCU, I think, hands down. Uh, Latanya, for you, you said Winter Soldier was your first Marvel Cinematic Universe experience last week. Yeah. Um, what are your What are your first memories of seeing this movie? Uh, of like going to the theater? Is there is there like a scene that stands out? Like when you think of Black Panther, there is like a moment or a set of characters or just like something from the theatrical experience, even yeah. uh, that that really comes first to mind. Um, just two words. Hey, Auntie. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, so we, we, we're going to talk about this cast. I think it's impossible for us to talk about this cast without talking about how beautiful everyone is in this cast. Um, it's just. So we're continuing the objectifying, as Kevin was saying last I mean, week. You're like, okay. <laughs> it's, it's Michael B. To. Jordan is there. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am but a woman. <laughs> You yes. know, like, so anyway, a human being I mean, on this I'm, planet yeah, Earth, and but a straight woman. So, like, you yeah. know, whatever. I I went to see this movie in uh, Crestwood, which is a suburb of Chicago in the South Side. They have a really beautiful movie theater that I love, and you can like choose your seats, and they recline. It's great. Um, and my sister and her boyfriend uh, Rob also went with me, and we all dressed up in like, even though we know that the Black Panther that they base this on is not like the Black Panthers. It's based on the people who flew the planes in, I think, World War II. But like, uh, we still dressed up in all black everything. Um, I have a picture on Instagram of me like there. And I have, there's pictures somewhere of us taking pictures and like everyone was getting a picture in front of the giant poster cardboard cutouts. Um, it was just like a celebration. It felt that the whole experience was just like exuberant. Like everyone in the theater, all of the energy was just high. And you came out feeling just like elated that you just saw black excellence on screen for honestly the first time in that way. It was, it was an amazing experience. Kevin, what was your theatrical experience? We didn't see this one together, right? We didn't. We didn't. Um, I saw it uh, in LA though, obviously. Um, Yeah. And it was fantastic. I mean, I think we touched on it last week. It was just so great seeing so many people show up for this movie. And like, it is that moment, you know, where in my head, I, I have that very much like that squat up mentality. Like we better, we, we, we're going. And like, so to show, to show up there and see so many people show up was just also a, uh, an elated feeling um, to know that like, in the like even you know like it, it, just to know it happened because there's always a chance that it went the other way and so i'm so glad that not just obviously people of color showed up but obviously you know having so much uh a presence of white audiences especially in los angeles was great um it's you know there's a lot of white people here and uh, they, they showed up for the movie and it was awesome um but like it was such a different experience there's little things that happened i mean the hey auntie line is so good but Something so about good. that really just speaks to an experience, especially growing up in the Bronx and, you know, my family being Caribbean. There's just just little things that hit on that note um, that like somehow spoke to me. And even beyond that, I mean, you know, I, I talk about the representation in this film, but it extends further too. like uh, I, I mentioned this last week, but um, Leticia Wright is Guyanese, which is what my family is. And that's <laughs> I, I didn't know that when you said that on the podcast. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Yeah, so that was really exciting for me to just have a Guyanese person in a film. Um, and her relationship with T'Challa was so much like how my sister and I interact <laughs> with each other, especially that like aggressive joking. There's just yeah. something about, I think, especially minority families where we're a little more aggressive with one another, but it's okay because there's a lot of love there. Um, Does that relationship exist anywhere else in the MCU, the one that T'Challa and his sister have? I, I can't think of a similar dynamic. Well, is there siblings the, in the MCU now? I'm trying to think about it. The, well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, well, but he, it's just he not dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He didn't and also, that's a different 
kind of relationship that we don't need to discuss. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, maybe, maybe Peter Parker and uh, his man in the chair. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit. There, there is that feeling of like, uh, I don't know. It it captures like. There's like a lot of like sibling angst in the MCU, certainly with like Thor and Loki, yeah. and Ragnarok starts to take a turn on that a little bit in terms of uh, oh, uh, the like the playfulness between yeah. the two characters of like uh, what what's the get help? I'm not going to play, I'm not get, play help I'm not get help. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like I think like a little bit of that, but th- like the fraught relationship of what it means to be siblings with someone is really what's highlighted there mostly and and i think that you don't really get sort of this side of it between shuri and t'challa other than through these characters of like what it means to have a sibling who is your best friend yeah um like kevin for instance like i know how close you are with your sister even though like you both like will destroy each other if if push comes to shove yeah and that's the thing that's the relationship it's really funny you say that right like a sibling who's my best friend but like to exemplify the type of relationship we have my sister and i are super close but i have said before where my sister is just like kevin's my friend and i'm just like we're not friends we're siblings there's there's a difference and like she gets so upset but it's like that exact type of joking that exact type of ribbing that i think is reflected in this film that's just so true um, and like, obviously like Shuri's such a great, great character to so to have that sort of like one like representation of people, but also just an awesome character is, is great. And sadly also something rare. Um, and even the other one too, that I definitely want to hit on is what made me flip out was the moment, um, Winston Dukes and Baku said when he was about to fight, he said glory to Hanuman. And I nearly flew out of my goddamn seat because that's my family's religion. That's Hinduism. Like Hanuman is one of our deities. And like that has extended across the globe. There is, you know, Hanuman uh, interpretation of that, uh, of that, of that uh, deity in African culture, but it's, it's crazy. Like I have, (laughs) you don't get that. That doesn't happen. And the fact that they had the little things I think put towards the care that comes from um, having the story done by people of color, because it's it's little, but when he mentions the fact that he's a vegetarian, the fact that Mbaku yeah. has a blunt um, spherical object on on his weapon is important because those are both traits of Hanuman. Hanuman fights with like a mace like weapon, and he's a vegetarian. So those things were just so amazing to me to have a character talk about a deity from my culture in such a way. Like I like Hanuman's awesome. He's great. I could talk about him all day. One of my pulp Can characters. Can you tell me a little more? What is he up to? What is his, what is his deal? So what he, he is like, a, he is in fact a monkey God. Um, he is the son of a actual deity. So he's sort of like a half deity, um, but he has got like abilities and has ascended. He is from one of the most uh, well-known slash popular texts from um, Hinduism, which is the uh, Ramayana which is a story of uh, Ram, who is this archer who fights demons. It's really great. It's a huge, long story. But Hanuman himself is is like a ha- like he's he's ape like and monkey like, but he is a man. He can walk and he has a mace. He can grow and shrink in size. He has super strength. He's like a superhero. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. He's got pin particles. It yeah. Like. I mean, one of the <laughs> one of the most famous stories to tangent real quick about Hanuman that I that everyone talks about and shares is that during the epic war that they're all fighting in, um, Ram, who is his like he he fights on his side and he's like the, their leader. His brother Lachman Lachman gets struck mortally by an arrow and is dying. 
and there's only one herb that could like save him and it's like super far away and it grows on a mountain so hanuman's just like i got you so he takes off and he goes and he flies and he gets to the mountain and he's trying to find out what the uh herb is because there's a ton of them and he doesn't know which one it is so his response is to grow giant and pick up the entire mountain and just fly the mountain back to deliver the herb and save him which is awesome and cool uh so yeah he's he's a really popular right, character so that's got to form the spine of an mbaku spinoff right that's yeah. just too dope I was, I was gonna, so i was gonna say that it's really interesting um that you talk about hanuman and like everything that <laughs> That story entails simply just because the character of M'Baku in the comics, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, based on Man Ape, right? Uh, possibly. I'm going to admit I'm not as familiar with that character in the comics. Yeah, I think he's called Man Ape in the comics, which is obviously racist. Wikipedia suggests that this is the <laughs> yeah. case. Yes, obviously. <laughs> we know Wikipedia is always, always right. Never not wrong. No, um, yes. And so they were able to like use the fact that like you know like bring in this cultural um significance of having a monkey god and then using the ape like face mask and having that be the religion for Mbaku and their tribe as opposed to having like the racist caricature which is just another way that like this movie subverts a ton of tropes. And I mean with all of the just beauty that we can not even describe fully of the, you know, production design. That credit goes to Hannah Bleacher, who was the first black nominee and winner of an Academy Award for production design. And it was just amazing, you know, when, when she won, but it's so obvious why she should, you only have to look at the scene at the waterfall um, where, you know, he gets the, power taken away from him and he fights M'Baku. It's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. It's just beautiful. Sure. All of the tribes are represented and they're all in, they're all so distinguished from one another. Mm-hmm. So you can see that their cultures are different, but they've all come together for this one thing. It's just it's just epic and, and fantastic and I'm, I love it. Yeah. Um I I have these memories of like some some theatrical experiences where like my body was just vibrating in the theater. And a lot of those are because I heavily abused marijuana uh, for much of my my life. Uh and so it was literally just like that. Um this was part of when I was like stone cold sober. Uh was Black Panther was out. Mm-hmm. Um and I was sitting in the theater watching the movie and there there were a few moments really early in the movie where i felt my body like go into like this different state like i literally felt something physically transform Mm -hmm. it's the waterfall scene and then like maybe oddly enough i don't know uh uh, if it's odd or not it's like the it's it's not the first action scene of the movie um but it's the car chase in in south korea um, when when the shit hits the fan and Claw has escaped and the cover is blown and now everybody's just got to get on the move and the movie just much like the car just like you know gears up like we shift into a totally different gear we've its ops is the track that's playing underneath all of that and it's just like humming and like you just like like I felt like something I felt like some kind of like 
light just like zap underneath my flesh as I was watching this scene. And I was surrounded. I was in a huge movie theater. It was packed with so many people, so many families, so many people who were just like screaming throughout the movie. And there were a bunch of kids that were sitting next to me that were just like, Bopping so hard or slapping. I don't know. One of those two things, like specifically during that scene. And for the first time in a in a Marvel movie since The Incredible Hulk, I cried in the theater Mm. Uh, and The Incredible Hulk. I cried in the theater because it's terrible. Uh, I I literally like I I I felt like just like tears just streaming down and I I couldn't explain it because I wasn't sad. I was like mesmerized. I was ridiculously like charged up. And I think I was like fueled by some. I I think that this movie is (laughs) certainly my sober experiences. Um, This is a movie that like I have never in person like sensed the alchemy between audience and screen the way that I did sitting in that theater for Black Panther. I'll never forget it. It's one of the greatest movie theater experiences of my life. And specifically that scene was just outstandingly insane it's uh it's funny you mentioned that scene because before we started recording latanya and i were talking about how we're both like i was so glad that like kendrick lamar got picked to do the soundtrack and i was like that also feels like a very purposeful like you get you know um you get the right people behind the camera and you know you get you get black creators they're going to choose the right person to do the soundtrack because i feel like it easily if it was a white creator been like let's get kanye right kanye is the right person for this and can right, you right. imagine <laughs> just the world and universe in which it was kanye uh-huh. doing this Ooh, it means, like, like it would just be like a different we'd had to develop the time machine to go back <laughs> you know yeah yeah, but the problem there is, as the Marvel time travel rules state, Latanya, like, we would just be damning some other universe. <laughs> well, you know? Do we want that on our conscience? I mean, w- might as well. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, it's just so we're not the yeah, worst like, universe anymore. We gotta I mean, damn another I'm one. I'm tired. Don't ask me questions like that. I'm more hardline than you think. Love it. <laughs> it's like how everyone oh, speaking Kevin's language. You really it's like are. How everyone thought that Barack Obama was a dove when he got into the White House. He was like drones. Uh, <laughs> That's how I feel about life. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> suffice it to say, I prefer the world where Kendrick Lamar uh, was. Uh, yes, <laughs> responsible for this. Uh, that album was in like my life for a while uh this was the this this is not the only marvel movie that emily my wife has seen um it is not the only marvel cinematic universe movie that my wife has seen and it is not the only marvel cinematic universe movie that my wife has seen in theaters but the number i believe is is precisely three uh she saw the first avengers movie because there was a bunch of us. Kevin, I think you were part of that crew, perhaps. Um, it's in Manhattan. Yeah, um, I might have been with the second time I watched it. Because the first time I watched yes. it was with DC people. Yes. Uh, it was Black Panther, and then it was Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel, she was kind of just like, eh. She didn't really feel it. Uh, Black Panther, like, she adores this movie. And really adored the soundtrack. Like, just extremely her shit. And so we mm-hmm. we listened to this a lot. Like, we would do a lot of trips back and forth from where we live in New York. And we would, you know, we, we'd go, you know, probably at the time, at least, things are obviously a little different right now. But we would drive um, to her parents' place in New England, like, maybe like, you know, 
five times a year or something like that. And like the, the black Panther album was always in the rotation, like probably like twice per trip, like once each direction. Um, so this is like, it's just very, it just, it's very close to me. Uh, and I, and I think that this is, we talk about on everything is super, like the movies that have the best soundtracks and like the conversation is like, uh, guardians of the galaxy one versus guardians of the galaxy two. And like, I think what this movie has is just something that is so special and of a totally different plane than what any of the other Marvel movies have. This is just like, it's just operating in a completely different world. Perhaps, you know, I guess our world, like this is one of the good things that we've got, uh, as opposed to, you know, one of the other universes that we're considering destroying. I think that like, yeah, I mean, I love the guardian soundtrack. That's especially my jam just because of the, the music stylings. I was very much a like classic rock person for a very long time. Um, and this is definitely in the running, I think as well, the only soundtrack that I, for me definitively, and it's not part of the MCU, but in terms of superhero movies is into the spider verse where I listen to that on a loop, um, regularly, but, um, oh man, I'm trying to save it for when my nephew is old enough to like, you know, (laughs) get it so we can watch it together. Um, he and I like to watch stuff together, but he's really into music. It's a transcendent. Wait, what musical? Musical of choice at the moment. He loves Hamilton. Um, He loves um, The Wizard of Oz, uh, Funny Girl, um, and then that Hugh Jackman musical about (laughs) H.P. Barnum. Oh, uh, The Greatest Showman. Yeah, Yeah. The The Greatest greatest Showman. showman. I never did Greatest Showman. The the music is really good. Yes, the movie, not so much, but the music. I like the movie. I do. It's um, it's okay. I mean, yeah, it's okay. But the, I mean, the music is what elevates it. But he, you know, um, and then yeah, we could we watch like a ton the of scene when I like the scene when Anna Paquin asks him, "Does it hurt when you sing?" And he says every time. <laughs> what are we doing here? What are we're, we're getting back on track now? That, that I promise you, we're gonna have fun today. This I, we can have fun. We can have fun. It's okay. Amazing. That we can was talk about a singing Wolverine. Solid. In the middle of a... Sorry. It was just there. I don't know where it came from. It's just sitting in front of me. But yeah, uh, I mean, like, you know, Kendrick Lamar has a, a Pulitzer Prize for, you know, his... For Dan. So... Yeah. This one was going to be great. Um, I mean, I loved all the stars. I was so sad when they declined to um, perform at the Oscars that year. I never really knew what the reason for that was, but I can, you know, speculate. Um, I mean, that was the green book year, right? I mean, we got mm-hmm. the famous yeah, gif of right. Chadwick Boseman looking back and doing the I told you so when green book won. And it kind of was one of those years where even though Black Panther should have gotten way more Oscars and should have won for all the stars, they probably weren't going to. And I, you know, there are plenty of people who have done protests at the Oscars just by not uh, like refusing an invitation. So who knows, but maybe that's why. Um, this is a movie that comes fairly late into the Marvel cinematic universe. We're in phase three right now. Uh, this is, you know, this is the last hit before we get into the infinity war and end game arc. Um, you know, this is the last, like, kind of like normal Marvel movie, um, for lack of a better word. Um, it almost wasn't. Um, 
they've been trying to make Black Panther for a very long time. Before there was a Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, you would hear, uh, you know, whispers of Wesley Snipes wanting to be involved in Black Panther in like the 90s and the 2000s. He wanted to be both Blade and Black Panther. Cool. That would be fun. That's great. <laughs> um, you know, get them all. Um, we, I, I remember I was working for MTV at the time uh, and at Comic-Con, my guy, Adewale Akinoye Gabaje, Mr. Echo from mm. Lost, uh, was, uh, he did an interview on a red carpet. Uh, and he was like, yeah, we're talking to Marvel about Black Panther. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, that would be really cool. But the fact that you just said that out loud means it's never going to happen. <laughs> like, no chance. Uh, you know, the, the Marvel PR uh, people are never going to let that fly right, now. They're ruthless. Um, th- that's, you know, that's an alternate world. But I remember... I remember at some point early, it was either late phase one or very early phase two before phase two was like solidified and announced that there were certain news outlets. And I'm pulling this from memory. So if I'm wrong, I apologize. I believe it was Latino Review uh, that cited um, that Black Panther was going to be in phase two that it was going to be in that Guardians of the Galaxy spot. And then Guardians of the Galaxy got announced. So I, I believe that because a lot of the the reporting that came from that era of Latino Review certainly uh, ended up bearing a lot of fruit. Um, so I, I think it makes sense that Black Panther was on the mind at least that early. Um, we end up getting it here in Phase 3. And I certainly would love the world where we had Black Panther earlier I don't know um, what the Marvel Cinematic Universe looks like if we have Wakanda in our you know front of mind earlier than we do, Kevin, because it really starts to become a thing in Age of Ultron. Um, it's you know it's hinted at with vibranium and stuff in in Captain America: First Avenger. Um, what is it, what does it look like? Do you think Black Panther coming in earlier? What kind of impact does that have? Like, let's say like. Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't come out in that spot and Black Panther comes out in that spot instead. How much does that shift? I mean, I think there's two there's two things to it, right? There's the there's the in universe and then the out of universe aspect. Yep. I think in universe it definitely would sh- would shift things and I worry about where the world would have gone in regards to that cuz you introduce you introduce this this uh, secret nation uh, that's highly advanced technologically. You introduce an element that is unbreakable, essentially. And you know what does that cause in terms of like the U.S. government wanting it? Does does the, the does civil war become something else entirely? Basically, um, so it, it it could have a major shift in impact. I think if it if it came out in that spot, I think the outer world part of it too is that like I'm glad that we got Black Panther where we did. I agree it took too long, but almost in a everything happening for a reason situation, as we have talked about, Josh, there was a big shift in what Marvel was in phase one and two into yeah. phase three because a person in charge shifted. Um, like Perlmutter. Yes. Can you imagine Black Panther with like Perlmutter I can. Uh, in charge of Marvel? I it's can, and that's why I, I'm happy that it didn't happen. Um, yeah. you know, uh, there, there, there's a lot of stories about Ike, so I won't delve into them too deeply here, but I think we would have gotten a very different movie and I think we would have gotten very different creators behind the scenes. Um, so I'm glad the way it shook out is the way it shook out. And part of me obviously is really frustrated that it took as long to get to this point. Um, but like the other part was not surprised it took as long to get to this point because again, like 
as I said last week, it's it's like I'm I'm so happy this movie happened. The tragedy of Chadwick Boseman is is terrible, and it's frustrating because it becomes this thing now where this movie is the one that has to carry everything on its back because we just don't have as much representation throughout you know um, throughout the comic sphere, and that's a Hollywood thing, but that's especially a comic book thing. I'm I'm yeah. gonna call out the comic industry again over it. Like you guys gotta try harder and do better, and there is a little bit better being done, but in my opinion, it's not enough and it needs to be more. Um, they need to do a lot more. And, and, you know, I think it's easy to, to just kind of be like, well, we're trying, but I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a whole thing. Like, obviously I'm very familiar with the industry and, and there's ways to try harder. And I wish they would, um, because it's just, we need that representation and it, it, the impact of it is shown in black Panther. Um, so yeah, it's it, it, I'm happy how things shook out, but like there's a lot of reasons that could have shook out differently for better or worse, and so yeah. <laughs> people name yeah, Ike I feel like that's doing great. The way <laughs> what's that? People with the name Ike just doing great. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. It's not it's wonderful great. things for uh, people name Ike. You know, I I feel like. Uh, I don't feel like Ike. I feel I feel like <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't come out in Phase Two, and then we probably aren't able to get to Infinity War and Endgame, um, and we probably aren't able to get to Ragnarok uh, because though that's a movie that expands literally the universe of the MCU. Gets us closer to Thanos. Gets us closer to all of that, and gets us closer to like all of those like you know the 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 really like fun superheroic stuff and all of that but like gets you like sort of to like the the things that i love the most about infinity war and especially Endgame as a one two punch is like um you know fighting for what you believe in loss grief mourning um how to how to fight through depression uh what it's like to like you know lose that battle against depression even if it's not losing the war against depression um the euphoria of of a comeback and a victory like i just think all those things are just like so beautifully expressed in those movies um and what i what i really i i think i think black panther and especially like the ending of the movie like the first post credits scene and we we do the infinity stone rankings and this is like a rare six that i'm giving to a post credit scene usually we're pretty hard on those but i think like the the post credit scene of t'challa speaking and like kind of like um bringing wakanda into the world and talking about how we need to do this together and we we have to like only only fools will will fight alone obviously botching the quote um there's there is a very clear futurism to Black Panther, there's a clear, clear like through Wakanda is is such a clear representative of that. But there is something that is so forward looking about this movie that its placement in the MCU as sort of like this this last hurrah before we get into like the Avengers closer feels very right to me. Like it feels like a great table setter for what the future of blockbuster filming could be uh, is to empower voices that have not had the opportunity to make movies and to make, you know, tell stories on this scale before. And should you do that, 
see the fruit of that labor. Like look at look at what you get. You get one of the most moving blockbusters of all time. Uh, you know, this is the this this movie is the is and a lot of people have been bringing this up. I feel like um, in recent weeks is like this movie is the argument against Marty Scorsese. It's like these movies aren't art. Watch Black Panther. Watch how people have reacted to this film and the passing of its leading man uh, in the last few weeks and what this meant culturally to the world. And I think that like even beyond that meta stuff, there's just there's messaging in this movie. There is the universe of Wakanda. There are these characters. There's the message at the end of the film that really strikes me as like an eye towards the future that feels very hopeful. And I am looking for hope wherever I can find it in this universe because we can't hop into the other ones. This is the one we occupy. Um, I think it's a very special movie for all of those reasons. Uh, the Martin Scorsese thing. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 when, when, when all <laughs> I of it was happening, I avoided joining this conversation <laughs> just because I was just like, ugh, I don't even want to deal with this. But like that's a good call out to it as well. Like I, you know, my arguments about Scorsese and just literally him doing the same type of movie over and over again is just like <laughs> the Irishman is four hours, guy. That's a TV show. Yeah, I mean, I don't even care about the length, but it's just so crazy to be like. That's the other thing about the Scorsese argument because I was trying to run through my head some of his movies, and it's just like his movies are about like white people being white over and over again, and it's just like okay, sure. I mean, that can be art, but like to not have. This to be like more movies have no art where you're actually having a a, a, a a movie about black people done by black people, you know, that like looks visually stunning and so different. And it's just kind of like, what is what is your discussion? And but that's the type of stuff Scorsese, I think, because he lives in like his his own like bubble world is never going to consider. He's never going to consider the fact that his movies are basically just a ton of white people doing like mafia white people stuff. Like <laughs> that's literally all of his movies over and over again. How much more do you have to say about the subject matter? It's like. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not I'm not here to defend Martin Scorsese. Like, that is not <laughs> that is not what I am here to do. Um, <laughs> it's not my job, and I'm not doing it. Um, I will say that I am a huge fan of Martin Scorsese and all of his movies, and I love them and find nuance in them. I totally I, absolutely. The, the exception might be The Irishman. Uh, but you know, like it's four hours yeah, it's long. Because it was so I think long. I have a real bone to pick against it because Emily I saw it in theaters. Oh, that was a mistake. Yeah, I and don't. It was a bad uh, all the time. So, yeah. We shouldn't. But have done yeah, it. I the opposite feeling of opposite. watching Black Panther in theaters. Um, yeah, I, so he's old, right? And he's doing his thing. Like you know, our like grandparents aren't like most of them aren't like. Oh, Black Panther is amazing. He hasn't seen any of these movies, you know. Um, yeah. He hasn't seen any of the movies probably that he voted for the Oscars for. Like that's just unfortunately how that goes. And you're right; he is in his little like echo chamber of just rich white New Yorkers, probably. Um, and so that's what he knows, and that's what he writes about. Who knows if he's ever even seen Black Panther? But I do think that it was really funny that his daughter trolled him. After he made that comment, um, she wrapped all of his Christmas gifts up in Marvel wrapping paper. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. So, you know, yeah. there's, there's something <laughs> at least. <laughs> and I, you know, I also like Martin Scorsese movies. Like, I, I think his movies can be good. Again, The Irishman, is, it is what it is. But um, 
it is just that comment, you know, like he can be a fantastic creator and he can do amazing movies and his movies are great, but to like dismiss the other parts of it, the importance of a film like Black Panther is oh, yeah, where no, I start to look at like, mm, come on, man. Well, that's know? the thing. That's the thing about, about people and whiteness. It, it's kind of the, I don't have time for that. You know, I don't have time yeah. to do this. It's what you decide to spend your time on essentially in pop culture. And if you don't give any time to black creators or black actors or black stories, and you're just in your little bubble of people. Yeah. That's, that's no way to live. Um, and these movies aren't going anywhere because studios are realizing that they can make millions upon millions of dollars. Yeah. And some of them well, are when you actually, do it right. <laughs> yeah. When you do it right. And some of them are actually like poignant and good. Like, I mean, Black Panther is like the shining jewel, obviously, of in the crown um, of the MCU. But they they are, unfortunately, like the biggest, most beautiful example of tokenism that exists in Hollywood. Right. So we got this one movie and I understand there are probably issues behind the scenes. And now Chadwick, unfortunately, has passed away. Um but like, you know, the only we haven't gotten any other like black lead characters. You know, they could have made Captain Marvel black, um, or Latinx, or you know, any just a person of color. Um, but they didn't, and that character is incredibly overpowered in the same way that Black Panther is super OP, um, which is probably why it wasn't introduced earlier because he can. They introduced Wakanda so that they could solve all of the white people's problems with the technology of Wakanda, which is why the the scene at the end of the movie where they're just like, yes, we will help you. I'm like, okay, yes, I get symbolically you're doing this for your cousin and because of what you've gone through. But it also does mean that you're just now in charge of fixing all of these white people's problems. I mean, they do say another broken white boy for us to fix. And that is what they're going to do totally. now. <laughs> so. Totally. Um, I feel like it has been, when did we launch this podcast, Kevin? Uh, by feel like like beginning May? of quarantine, right? <laughs> like May, close to that. somewhere, yeah. April, May, June, July, August. And no, September. I think it was oh, definitely uh, those May. Those are the months. <laughs> um, I think it, it, around, around May-ish off the top of my head. And I feel like it's been since the start that you've been waiting to talk about Killmonger. <laughs> Yes. And so, like, I just feel yes. like I just should say, do it. Yeah. Do it. Talk All right. about Killmonger. This is going to be, a, this is gonna be a, a long one to go in. But, like, th- this is this ties directly to the themes that we've just been talking about. And I think that's something LaTanya pointed out, too, here is, like, so it's no secret that Killmonger is probably my favorite villain in the MCU. And that's, I think, a big reason is that he's a villain that speaks to me um, in it's terms also of his... No- no spoiler that Killmonger is uh, our top-ranked villain in the Infinity Stone villain rankings, and it's not really close. He is number one uh, with a with a six from me, a six from Kevin, a five point eight from the audience, a five point nine two overall, which puts him in first above Michael Keaton at five point seven. Yes, because they are. So I think Killmonger is gonna is gonna lead us with. We'll see what Thanos can well, do. Everyone yeah. has seen both Killmonger and um, Michael Keaton, so. Michael B. Jordan <laughs> is the winner. 
<laughs> Sorry, Kevin. I mean, <laughs> please. No, no. It's so you know the the themes of this movie is very much about like your responsibility towards your own people, um, your responsibility towards you know um, not isolating yourself in this situation because Killmonger is a direct result of what happens when you ignore your people on the outside. And like Killmonger is essentially created to an extent because of, you know, the decisions Wakanda made previously. But more than that, I think his anger is relatable to me because of the suffering that, that his people have gone through with no one, you know, there to help when they have the opportunity, the pain he's feeling, the, the want to kind of tear everything down to be like, you know, because, because of this is, you know, this is the way you are. There's so many levels to him that I can relate to, but more than almost anything, Killmonger is very similar in a lot of ways to a, probably my favorite villain in comics, who is Magneto. Um, Magneto, for a long time, really related to me in the sense of his POV made sense. He is, he is a person uh, you know, who is Jewish, who went through the Holocaust and survived and has seen what humanity is capable of and is constantly just like, listen... These people aren't going to give us a chance. They want to eradicate us. Like, I have seen it happen. And he gets pushed aside because this is where the difference happens now. When you have this story, despite the fact that, you know, that character was created by Jewish creators, where it's gone for a long time. I love the X-Men because they can stand in for minority representation. But no minorities have really written those characters, which still boggles my mind. Um, And I can rant about later. But the fact is, Magneto is painted as a villain all the time. It has to be definitively stated, especially when you're having a character like this done by white creators. He's almost always shown to be like, well, he's wrong. He's wrong. He has no points. He's extreme and he wants to kill people. So therefore, we will just be like, no. And like, that's been the lesson of Magneto for a long time. Like, and despite the fact that people have related to him, despite the fact that there are T-shirts to say Magneto was right. But when you have a character like Killmonger who has a similar motivation to Magneto, and you have it done by people of color, by black creators, the ending lesson isn't that Killmonger was wrong full stop. The ending lesson is, in a way, is that, yes, Wakanda needed, needs to change. It needs to be something different, and it needs to help its own people. Because we didn't is how we end up in a situation where you get someone like Killmonger, is where you get the suffering of our people um, on the outside. And I think you can on- you only get that type of story where you have this villain who motivations often get painted as incorrect, kind of right. And because of it, like T'Challa changes as a character to have your villain influence your hero to the point that they have to change in some way is phenomenal writing. And the correct, most of the time, the correct way to do a story because your hero should change. Um, So there's a lot of things there that make me really like this character and what he stands for. And I'm not even saying like, yes, I'm with Killmonger because he's not a good person. I just think they handled the character in the right way in terms of what his motivations are, in terms of what the result of what he did is. I think the way his character was formed um, was interesting because he lived in this world that we live in. He's a product of knowing there's a greatness out there and not being able to access it himself or have it help their own people. There's a lot there that makes me like this character. And, you know, I, it, the Magneto aspect of it is very strong. Um, like I said, he's, he's my favorite villain in, in comics. Um, I really wish that more people would handle that villain correctly. Um, and we can get to my thoughts on the Magneto part later. But I went on a whole long rant for a little bit just now. But that's a lot of it. And I know 
obviously I can only speak towards my POV here, which is what I'm doing. And I'm curious to hear, to talk with Latanya, especially about this, because, you know, I am, I am not black. I am Brown, but I want to hear from, you know, your perspective as a black person and as a black woman on this. Yes. Um, As a black woman on a podcast, I think that um, Killmonger wasn't so much a villain as he was an antagonist. Um, So like the definition of an antagonist is a person who actively opposes or is hostile to someone or something or an adversary, right? So he was obviously a worthy opponent adversary and he was defeated ultimately, uh, but ended up teaching the victor a lot. Uh, so it's classic protagonist antagonist for me, um, you know, and we end up lumping people into the villain hero um, labels just because that's what that's the kind of the binary that comics set up. It's easy. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to do. But I think of him more as an antagonist than a villain because, yes, he does have just a traumatic. It, it's unimaginable how traumatic his childhood must have been and then he joined the army uh and he killed so many people and he has the scars to prove how many people he's killed so he didn't have that home base um but he knew that he was a part of something bigger and at the same time he got the you know my opinion kind of like uh he he got like the the thing that happens when you enter the military, essentially, um, you know, you become part of like one big organism that's all working together for one thing. And you can put aside the bad things that you do. The thing about um, Killmonger, because I do think that he's fantastic in this movie. Michael B. Jordan kills this role. Just is so great. And so just good. so good. Um, and yeah, really just like, a role that is so different than anything that he's ever done before. Uh, so that I mean, it was really cool to just see his versatility as an actor. I feel like he plays something very different every time. My issue with the way that this was written, um, I love the way Killmonger is written, except for this one part, which has to do with the misogyny that he demonstrates throughout the movie. Right. So he just, enters the film by murdering a British woman. And all she was trying to do was white splain Africa to him. And I understand. <laughs> I understand that that is very like she's just enjoying her. Yeah. Tea. She's just I mean, enjoying Technically her tea. that was a three person job. Like he didn't poison her directly, but yeah, I guess you don't the know. Tea, right? well, yeah. It was, it was uh, his partner uh, because she was, oh, she was, sure. she was yeah, working the at barista. the uh, barista. Right. Yeah. So she poisoned, yeah. Obviously, claw uh-huh. orchestrated. Yeah. But anyway, he, that's, that's a he, jazz, uh, obviously. So, but. his Bonnie, essentially. They yeah. were Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> um, but Bonnie and Clyde died together. Um, Killmonger murdered his Bonnie. Um, yeah. Just true. like, you know, for shiggles, for no real reason. Um, other than, like, he was done with her. She, her purpose had been served. Right. And then when he gets to Wakanda, he is just, terrible toward all of the women there and one of the amazing parts of this movie is just like the uh clear feminist message like you know black feminist message of the the Dora Milaje being these women that are the protectors right they're the warriors in the society 
And all of a sudden this person enters and he's just like, I don't care what you do or what you think you are. I am in charge now and you will do what I say when I say it. And there's something about that that is particularly um, upsetting because it doesn't need to be a part of this character, right? We can showcase his menace without him being misogynist. Um, you so I'm actually yes. I think I, I obviously you are correct in the way that character treats women, but part of me also thinks like it is somewhat purposeful because like usually when you end up in these situations, the antagonists and protagonists usually end up opposites, right? Mm-hmm. And you have T'Challa and the people who grow, who are from Wakanda have this very respect women e- equal situation. But Killmonger grew up on the outside in our world where especially and I think in people of color cultures, misogyny can run rampant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if that is part of the, the, the situation is that as someone who grew up in the world that we live in, the, the way that it shaped and warped him as an opposition to the way Wakanda is portrayed um, was yeah. maybe a little purposeful. Obviously, this is conjecture because I don't is, know for no, sure. No, that makes sense. I mean, it is the, the contrast between the American Killmonger and the Wakandan uh, Black Panther, right, is so interesting. It, it really does bring a lot of conversations to the fore um, because, you know, this movie, and we'll talk about this later in more detail, but this movie was just so important, so important for Black people, right? And one of the reasons for that is because we're so disconnected, having been, you know, descendants of slaves from where we come from. And like at this point, I'm not going to get a DNA test done because I know that my DNA will be bought by a company that I have no control over. Um, so it seems like I might not ever know where I came from or who I am, right? And then we have this movie where there's a person who is American and they are divorced from their culture and they go back. And the culture is c- the complete opposite of what they experience in America. And we have the whole movie, people calling Wakanda a third world country. So I, I just, I think that that is you're right that is set up very well to contrast those two yeah that's why and again i think that's why i like this character so much again there's the one aspect i do agree with him on is that humanity is hopeless um and it's 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 and and i will say this to my like the point of magneto if you look at the world right now yes magneto was right guys he has been right maybe we should have listened to him which is why if you had a person of color telling that story maybe we would have said that but anyway um <laughs> i i think the, the 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 there's a lot of parts i relate to but i think what i love about the character is all these aspects is seeing such a critical analysis of america and the way we treat not just black people, but people of color and women is reflected so well and such a great contrast to what the Afrofuturistic Wakanda is. Um, and it's just so really just the themes reverberate throughout. And that's what I love, love about it. Like Killmonger has that line where he says, you know, everybody dies. That's just life around here. And mm-hmm. like, that is such a, like, that is our world. And like, he is a product of that, but the product comes from, the other big theme in this movie where it's like, you cannot shut the door on your people. Like 
and to me, it's the same thing with, with the industry, you know, like when you look at Hollywood, you look at comics, like if you're a person of color and you get through the door in comics, I do believe it is your duty to keep that door open and help other people of color through, because that's the way we're going to have to do it. Um, and like, uh, there's the other line, one of my favorite moments, of course, everyone talks about, right? Like there's the moment into the movie where he, he, he fights T'Challa and he says, is this your king? But the other part of that sentence, I think, is the more important part where he says, is this your king? Is this the one who's going to lead you into the future? And what's important there is that at that moment, no, because T'Challa was never going to lead Wakanda into the future at that point. He was going to keep Wakanda in its past. And Mm -hmm. I think those are the type of things that are so amazingly done in this that like Wakanda was never going to go into the real future. They were going to stay in their own past while their past is futuristic. The world was catching up. There was all these themes. And that's what makes this villain so powerful. And I do think this POV can only come through when it's done by a person of color, when it's done by a black person, especially here. Um, And that's why I like this. And that's why I also feel like it's so important to have people of color and black people tell these stories and underrepresented groups, LGBTQ people telling those types of stories, because you're going to get this POV that you don't normally get when you unfortunately get it from white creators, because they haven't been through what we have and their reflection of it, unfortunately, even subconsciously is going to almost be like, well, no, we can't have any situation where white people are bad. Like that's like, like almost like a full stop line. Like, nah, you guys were wrong. Like, you know, like it's hard to do that. Right. And so, yeah, like that's a, that's a long winded way of getting to that. Why I like this villain or antagonist. You are absolutely right in the traditional sense um, so much and this movie because so much of it thematically is reflected in so many ways even down to the ending moment which I think Josh you were telling me this like the line that uh, his probably like the line uh, where he says you know like bury me in the, the sea ocean. Yes. Um, I, yeah. believe, I, I don't know if the specific line came from Chadwick Boseman but Chadwick in, in Ryan Coogler's uh, remembrance of him I believe is where he revealed this was that they worked so closely that he was the one who got him to uh, reconsider. I think Killmonger was originally going to say, bury me in Wakanda. Right. And uh, Chadwick was like, is that what he would say? Uh, so I, I believe that that comes from from Chadwick. Yeah, yeah and I think th- those like, things are so important. That line was really powerful. Like that, that was one of those instances. Because in the theater, you know, people were confused. <laughs> No, we, it was it was difficult to figure out who to root for, honestly, because, you know, at the time in, in 2018, you know, and they released it during Black History Month, which is an excellent marketing ploy uh, by Marvel and Disney. Um, smart of them. Uh, but, you know, in 2018 was when we were starting to, like, experience or at least get coverage of like a lot of the violence that and, and black people being killed. Right. And like Ferguson. So, you know, this movie really gave everyone something to look forward to. Um, it gave people hope. I'm really glad that you mentioned Afrofuturism, uh, Kevin, because, you know, the idea of Afrofuturism is a way to combat anti-blackness. Um, there's a website called The Conversation, an article entitled How Afrofuturism Gives Black People the Confidence to Survive Doubt in Anti-Blackness. 
the authors unlisted, but it's a 2018 article that reads in part, uh, black people globally got a signal of hope when Coogler and Marvel released Mar- uh, Black Panther. Few knew that the Black Panther is a superhero, despite the comic being released in the 1960s. Its success can be due in part uh, to Black people's uh, future. Black people seeking belonging and better outcomes for their lives turned to Afrofuturism as a source for optimism. According to expert author Yatasha Womack, Afrofuturism refers to an intersection of imagination, technology, the future, and liberation. So by combining all of those things in this movie, right, Wakanda offers a place that exists outside of the harsh reality that we live in every day. It's like a place of security and it's just, it's a black space, right? Um, a free black space that has the most advanced technology in the entire world. So Wakanda offers a place that exists outside of where we are and it really helps with kind of like dealing with the anti-black white settler, settler narrative that we get in pretty much every other movie. Yeah. And I think that that's so, I'm so glad you called that out too, because when you look at history and when you look at movies and, and fiction, they always portray this idea that, um, that le- essentially left to our own devices we would never be able to advance like black mm-hmm. people, brown people, any, any person of color, if left to their own devices in their own country would never be able to advance. Yeah, it's like every, everybody is shocked that the countries of in Africa are handling COVID. Yeah. People right. are like, and what their numbers are so low. How? Yeah, because black yeah. people and can it, govern themselves. Calm down. Right. And so many times they will point to this idea too, where it's just like, well, look at all these third world countries. Right. But what, again, it, it, it refuses to acknowledge is the impact of colonialism on these places, especially that they went to, because these people showed up. Like you look at India, you look at Guyana, even you look at, uh, you look at Haiti, you look at all these places. They showed up and they essentially came in. We're just like, we're going to colonize here and we're going to strip your place of resources. We're never going to allow you also to advance to a degree that's going to be equal to us. We're going to keep you a little bit below, strip your area of resources. And then when you finally kick us out, what do you have left? And now we're left to essentially try and build stuff back up from scraps. What I like about this too, is that it's a place that was untouched by Europeans. Mm -hmm. And it showed that they are like, like black people were able to create the greatest place in the world when left to their own devices because they weren't unfortunately, you know, corrupted and, and, and torn down by uh, white settlers. And I think that's such a great point in this. And I think, you know, you can even trace that back to more or less the original creation of it, of the character and the, and the world. Um, but these are all the things that, that, that make this movie so awesome and so great because it just does stuff that, that, we don't get normally, you know, we, we that we don't get the, the thought that goes into the, these type of things. And we um, haven't gotten since. Yeah. Have we? No, no. Yeah, Every now and then it? we'll get. I feel like we've we, gotten some things on television. You know, um, obviously we, uh, we've got Black Lightning and we've got, uh, or had, um, what's his name? It's terrible. On Netflix. <laughs> what's Oh, a master of none? No, no, no. I mean, like black superheroes. Um, he was on Netflix. He was. Oh, uh, Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Thank you. Um, 
Ah, the terribleness I understand now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Aww. but I mean, like, we didn't, we, we just have, like, those small screen characters. Yep. There hasn't been another anything like this. And it's not that I'm asking for a sequel to Black Panther or anything like that. I'm just asking for, you know, there to be more Black people, more Black creators and actors people of color you know like let's let's tell stories about the diaspora so that like children can see how beautiful you know these these cultures are and maybe they'll learn more about them and become better people as a result um i mean that type of exposure to african culture african dress it's really important in terms of connection to your personal like where you've come from because it's just so for so many people, we just don't have a, a history. And the amazing thing about that, about Wakanda being untouched is, is by colonialism or anyone on the outside is that they have preserved their culture and they tell it, you know, and they know it. And that's something that gets lost for African-Americans, for black people in America. Yeah. And I, I think it's exactly that too, right? Like going back to the idea of like having to uh, not even just like, oh, we need more movies. We don't need like <laughs> the sequel is one thing. Spinoffs can be one thing, but just more stories and as a whole. Like this all started with comics. And again, going to the comics, you know, and get more people of color to tell these stories, you know, circling back to like the X-Men are, you know, next to Superman uh, and maybe Shazam. Uh, but certainly in the Marvel Universe, the X-Men are my favorite thing. They have been forever because I felt a connection. Shazam's that high up there? Oh, dude, I love Shazam. I, that's that's a different podcast. We'll get to that. But, it was uh, such a cute Shazam. movie. Oh, I love that movie so much. When, when but, the, like, the characters yeah. didn't. Uh, the kids. Uh, oh. um, <laughs> which also is a diverse cast uh, in that movie where it you is. have... a bu- Anyway. Yeah. Um, but... You know, the fact that like the X-Men are are, for so long are very clearly a a stand in for people being persecuted and you lose over time. You've lost that narrative, especially because, like I said, you you've only really had white people telling this story. Like, I'm sure someone's going to come in and correct me at some point in time, but it's not enough of a point. But I'm pretty sure specifically Uncanny X-Men, which was the flagship title and adjectiveless X-Men, I don't think have been written by a person of color possibly ever. There's been like extreme X Men, astonishing, and the other ones that have spun off have been written by people of color. But I, I want to say, you think the flagship, which is uncanny, right? I don't think it has ever been written by a person of color, and I don't think that if it, and if it has, it ha- certainly hasn't been for a very long run. And you lose the ability to really, again, capture a tone of voice and looking at these characters done in a way that talks about it. I, I am loath to bring this up because he is a piece of pos. But if you look at X-Men 2, the X-Men were standing in for, you know, the persecution of LGBTQ characters. You had that scene. Yeah, you had that scene where Iceman is talking to his parents and it is frame for for like word for word, something that could be plucked out from having to be outed to your parents. Right. And that's what you you have these POVs that can be injected into these stories when you have these people telling them. Um, So. I would love to see something like that. I would love for a person of color to be able to not just write the X-Men, but write them in a way that is freeing, that allows them to tell the type of story they want to tell with them. And this leads me to something I, I even posted on Facebook and, and Twitter, which I've been wanting to talk about here because I'm going to pop up my own theories. But uh, 
the idea of like circling all back around to Killmonger, I honestly believe, especially that Marvel has a chance now. What if they bring the X Men into the the MCU or do something with them? I really think they should make Magneto black. I think you know keep his Jewish heritage. He should be both because people can have multifaceted aspects to their lives. What? Um, right? What? You can't just do one thing. I read somewhere that that's not yeah. true. <laughs> I read it in a book. Uh, something you only you're one thing, yeah. and that's it. But like you, so you, you when you do that, you 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 one to have him be a, a Holocaust survivor now would make him very very old. Yeah. And unless you do time shenanigans and other stuff, you 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 really can't work it the way it used to. And I think that is an important. Unless you tell, unless you tell the X Men story in like the sixties, right, like you, literally, like it takes place, which, which they've, they've done, done which they did. But if you're looking yeah, at a modern yeah. context, right? But if you if you make Magneto both Jewish and black, you have so many layers to this character. You have one. You could have it that his grandparents were killed in the Holocaust. So you have that aspect of it. You can have his parents be the victims of the civil rights movement in the 1960s. You can add layers. You can have him just being black in America, which is reason enough to have the anger and the viewpoint that he has. You can change this character and update him in a way that I still think keeps his core, but puts him in this modern context. And also, though, if you do that, you have to make Xavier black or a person of color. And if you're listening and you don't understand why you have to have Xavier also be a person of color. I don't know what to tell you. I'm going to let someone else explain it to you, but it would have to be done. And I just think that that is a good way to bring this, this idea of the X-Men and these characters into a modern context that keeps the heart of what they are, gives them the proper argument and have, you know, I think Latanya, you said it as well. And this has been brought up. And I even mentioned it when they did this Wolverine Cyclops now was like for a while ago, their argument. And they painted once again, Wolverine in the right and Cyclops in the wrong for being more um, aggressive and a little bit militant. But to me, Magneto and Xavier, like Wolverine and Cyclops are the same coin. It's MLK and Malcolm X, basically like that's kind of the way you should treat these characters, not a right or wrong, not even like I'm not saying like Malcolm X was super militant necessarily, but right. and he was peaceful. But like use that as least guideposts to understand these characters, not be like one is right, one is wrong. That's not the way civil rights works. <laughs> like it's just and so, yeah, I just think that like there's so much you civil can do. rights are working right now at all. <laughs> well, yeah, they're definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, rights I, low. Yeah, I just, it's just, obviously this is my POV, but it's something I've obviously wanted to talk about for a while, especially influenced by Killmonger, by this movie, by seeing a movie like this done by people of color, by black people telling a black story, I think is how you can get comics, especially now, to transcend what they've been and become something different and tell something new even. Um, And for people who aren't following me, my dream casting, by the way, was uh, Giancarlo Esposito as Magneto and Lance Reddick as Xavier. So take that as you will. Lance Reddick is a comic book nerd. I mean, Uh, he loves comics. Perfection. (laughs) Uh, So he'd be down for sure. I think it would be really interesting in a modern context if um, people were to write about have the X-Men, but, um, you know, all of the different camps that we have now essentially like it's people who like someone who's from there maybe Mm -hmm. um and they can have all of those same characteristics and their parents could have passed away trying to get to america um i mean it's just a it's another spin on what you just said but it's the point of having people like us in the rooms like writing things where we can think about the context of social change 
throughout the years and apply it to the characters. And, you know, there could be something really interesting that comes out of, out of that. Cause I mean, we very much have um, a similar situation now in America. It's just not making the news and, yep. you know, yeah. um, that would be an Anymore. interesting yeah. place to start in the comic. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it is important to, like you said, have these stories because you the amount of times that it's been done where it's a white creator essentially creating a person of color character is tenfold. I mean, Black Panther was, in fact, created, obviously, by white creators, but it's so rare to get these characters done. And I, I, you know, comics have this thing where they push diversity really heavily, but you, you had these characters still not being written or created by people of color i you know off the top of my head i can think of two you have um you have ms marvel who uh you know uh, kamala khan who was created by uh g willow wilson who is muslim but uh uh i don't want to mispronounce her name but sana amanat um who is um pakistani uh and also muslim if i'm not mistaken um, so that's one. And then I think, and I can't believe I can't even remember the name of the character because he's a third or fourth ghostwriter at this point who is Hispanic and was created by, um, he's the one that was on agents. of Correct. Shield. And I feel yeah. like that's about it. But if you look at the other characters that have been around, even miles Morales, I love that character was created by Brian Michael Bendis, who is Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah. Who's very, white. very white, but yeah. he's, he's also Jewish, but he's also, uh, white. Um, and you know, you have characters like Simon Baz, the green lantern created by a white person, Jessica Cruz, who's a, a Hispanic green lantern created by a white person. I mean, you just have it happen so much. And I'm not even saying like, cause I'm not saying that's bad, but like, I'm glad to have characters exist, but there's such a different layer that can come from someone else, either creating a character or telling its story. We're having, there is change. Um, I I'm blanking on the name right now, but there is a book. Uh, I believe it's called Green Lantern Legacy. Um, that is about a Filipino Green Lantern told by a person who is a very um, personal story, and it's it's a done in one. And I do think that that's that should be it for that character. Um, but like when you you have things like that, you can have these differences, you can have these changes, you can have more being told. Um, so uh, yeah, I just think it's 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 important to do that. Like when you're drawing from reality, especially like try to have at least a person of color who can relate or, or acknowledge these type of things. I'm not saying that only, only because you get you get into a whole other conversation that only you yeah. should write characters that are like you. I don't think that that should necessarily be the case. I do think white people should chill out um, because for the longest time y'all had the, the run, the run of the playground with all the toys. Um, so, but you know, I, I don't think, you know, uh, getting locked in like that, I think can be, can be problematic and unfortunately also turn, uh, us against each other, which has also been like a tactic, you know, to like have us scratching and attacking each other to both get a seat at the table when really what it is, is everyone just open the door for each other, please. Um, right. as we do this, which is sort of the ending of, of black Panther. I do agree. There is that point though, where it's just like black people got to come in to save white people again. Um, but you know, I, it, look, it, it's, it's the best we've gotten so far. So I'm going to say, yeah, like I, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing is that it's, um, it's interesting to try to look at this movie now in 2020, we were in such a different place in 2018. Um, when it's crazy to think happened. that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, every year is a decade, every year yeah, is a decade. We were in a very, very different place. I mean, like we just all recounted our experiences going to movie theaters 
which is a thing that is not a thing anymore. Um, so, you know, um, there's going to be a little bit, a tinge of like, you know, us being angry about the fact that there hasn't been any progress since this movie, because it is the most successful in terms of like critical acclaim um, and awards, I think, um, in, ter- in terms of any Marvel movie. It's the only one that's been nominated and like won an Oscar. Um, and only Best Picture candidate. Yeah. Um, you know, box office, it broke a billion, 1.347 billion. Um, yeah, this movie crushed it in every yeah. category that can be crushed. And I mean, it, they, <laughs> they were able to get rid of the popular Oscar um, discussion, which was great. Right. That oh, was yeah. that was terrible. Oh, I forgot about for, that. For people who don't know, <laughs> the 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 Oscars tried to create a category called the popular Oscar um to be given out to blockbuster films or films that people that, like more people enjoyed, which is essentially like a consolation prize. Uh trying to condense the mm-hmm. entire MTV movie awards into yeah, a single Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, you know, asking for a raise and getting a certificate saying that you're a rising star. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah for sure, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But yeah, as Kevin said, white people need to chill out for sure. Full I'll stop start. across the board. Like, there's that. I'll start. There's Josh, that one of my favorite you're gifts. Chill. <laughs> you're, you're pretty chill. I'll start. Uh, I'll start. One of my favorite gifts is the the Skeletor one where he's shaking his hands and he's just saying the caucasity. And I'm just kind of like, <laughs> I use that constantly as That's a response great. gift. That's great. Um, yeah. Um, you know, we, we cannot be here for a million hours. I wish we could. I, I want to make sure that we're giving uh, the appropriate amount of time to talk about some of the other amazing characters in this movie. Because, yeah. like, I don't think we've said the word Koye yeah, yet. No, we and that's a problem. There's just so much. To me. <laughs> Because, I mean, I, I, it has literally been my job for the vast majority of my career to cover The Walking Dead. Not the TV show, but the comics is where I started with it when I was a comic book journalist. And I've been following The Walking Dead since the comic was in, I think, the late 50s. So that makes me feel old because it reached 193. Um, and I've been covering it in some capacity uh, for the entirety of its television run. Obviously, The Walking Dead is in quotes, ending. Um, but Denai Guerrero's time on The Walking Dead ended uh, this past year. Um, and to watch her meteoric rise has been phenomenal. She's great. Because she she was always too good for that mm-hmm. show. Uh, but she just, like, elevated so much as Michonne. Um, she, you know, I don't, I don't know much of her writing, but I know that she is a very, very well-respected and... Um, uh, very, very well-read playwright. Mm-hmm. She's about to be a showrunner for, I believe, an HBO Max show. Um, I think it's HBO Max Americana. I don't know if that's HBO proper or HBO Max. Um, but she just like has blown up to this incredible stratospheric place that has been really excellent to see her in. Uh, to not only have the iconic role of Michonne, which like for some people, for, like for some actors, could be like the iconic role you get to play, because that is like such a breakout character from the Walking Dead universe and the Walking Dead. Whether or not you're laughing at it is mega popular, but she also gets to be a Koye in Black Panther, and um, that character. I don't know. I 
I love I love this woman so much. <laughs> I, I really, really do. I, I just love everything about this character. I love her struggle. I love like her her feeling like this torn allegiance between T'Challa and like his memory and then like her duty as the as the head of the guard. Um just everything about her. She's just such a freaking badass Sinai Guerrera, throws herself into absolutely everything. Um, so I don't know. That's if, if we're going around the horn of just like characters that we love in this movie, we can all just do an Okoye party right now, and I'd be totally yeah. fine. But feel free to hop in with whatever you want to hop in with. I just love that character so 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 much. I mean, she's amazing. Like, I love that she and Lupita are our best friends. Um, that makes yeah. me happy. Lupita, who I think is starring in Americana, I really. That, that's wonderful. yeah. I'm pretty sure that that's right. Okay, well, yeah. that's getting watched. Um, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I mean, she was always too good for The Walking Dead, but there's just, there's so much that she does in this movie, just in terms of her facial expressions and how she can change the mood of a scene, um, just by like winking at someone, you know? Um, and then all of a sudden she can go right back to being like that militant, like I'm ready to fight. Um, that she's just ripped for this movie too, which is amazing. And I'm, I mean, the character is just so great. Like throwing the wig <laughs> during the fight in the casino so funny. is so funny. Yeah. And it's also just a nod to, um, you know, they were complaining about having to like wear wigs when they were going into the casino and talking about how silly it is. And that's very much an Americanized like black thing. Um, to have a certain kind of hair. Um, and that's not a thing in Wakanda. And so it was really funny that that was used as a weapon, like something that, you know, she hated um, and was a, a sign of her erasing her own heritage. She got to use as a weapon against someone. Um, yeah. I mean, she's just dope. She does so much during that car chase scene. Um, she does so much um, trying to negotiate her relationship. Uh, with Daniel Kaluuya's character too, like they, you know, they have some struggles because they're on different sides. Um, but you know, she really does convey that, like, uh, the combination of just like she could be ruthless and like a warrior when she needs to be, but she's also seems so kind and giving at the same time, and she notices everything, which is great. She's like my wife. <laughs> you wish. Emily Fox. <laughs> like Emily Fox sees everything. Starting a hair <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, no, she's in, she's incredible. Uh, Letitia Wright is remarkable oh, so in this movie. Like she's just like a, a laugh per minute. You know, she's the standout. Uh, I think. Yeah. Like she yeah, stole the show yeah. in a lot of ways. People were just kind of waiting for her. And the fact that she's so young and so brilliant, like she's a genius. Yep. She's smarter than Tony Stark and she's smarter than the Hulk and probably Peter Parker as well. So I don't know. She's just been working with advanced technology probably since she was a toddler. <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah. I mean, they, they do, uh, they do a really great job of having, you know, sort of like the bond meets Q scene. Uh, where where it's it's T'Challa and Shuri before they go to to South Korea, and she's like walking him through all of the technology. It's like very mm-hmm. 007 trope, uh, and it rides this line of being um really really freaking funny 
and also just being like highly impressive and like just tells you so much about that character, about her humanity, about uh, like her, her, like her sort of outlook on everything, her sense of style, um, but also just like her outstandingly unmatchable expertise uh it's just it's just it's such a it's not her introductory scene but i feel like it's sort of her her first breakout um although she's very funny in the waterfall (laughs) scene as well uh really sure he's just incredible she's such a great character absolutely incredible character yeah i mean and there's precedent you know i I don't want to get lost on this whole but there's precedent of that character becoming the black panther eventually in the comics so i i think right you know it's 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 really cool to to have someone so good in this role and such an amazing character and ideally having a, 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 a you know, a, a future for this character in, in a really cool way. Um, but yeah, obviously I, I, I talked about Letitia, right? Just, you know, again, Guyanese representation, I would take it. It's um, awesome. Yeah. yeah she, I mean, like she we gave talked us, about, what are those? Yeah. The water. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> uh, that's it. Like, you know, scene. if, she, okay. if uh, she only showed up in the movie and like does, did that one scene, it would have been fine and everyone still would have been like she stole the movie (laughs) yeah and there's just i mean like you know we 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 touched on umbaku we talked we we talked about uh you talked about duke's first i know that's crazy what that's crazy he's amazing in this movie too it it just like (laughs) the the scene like the way that he pretends that they eat children (laughs) <laughs> yeah. this, i'm a vegetarian what is wrong We're vegetarians with you? it's so yeah. good uh, yeah and and you know we and this doesn't even touch on you know it before calling out characters and stuff too um the sterling k brown is not in the movie a lot but his mm. presence is obviously felt throughout and like that scene when uh killmonger goes into the I guess it is it the ancestral plane. I mean, you yeah. know, when, when, when he goes there and he, he goes not to, to the Wakandan home, but his home home that he knows and, and he sees his dad there and they have that exchange. It's just such a powerfully emotional moment. And so well done. I really love that, that scene. There's so many great scenes too, with, with fathers confronting sons and, and the legacies left behind, you know, even when, when T'Challa goes and, and, and meets T'Chaka and T'Chaka's like, Oh, come, you know, to the plains. And T'Challa's like, no, look what you people did. Like he's angry. And again, Chadwick Boseman in that moment, the emotion and power behind his words is so good. Um, there's just, there's just everyone in this movie, not even touching on Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> Are we not even talking about Forrest Whitaker? This movie is just. I was I was saying before we came on that this cast is so stacked that sometimes I forget Forrest yeah. Whitaker was in this yeah. movie. It's just as Latanya said, there's just literally Angela so Bassett. much black. Angela Bassett in this is film. in this movie. Angela Bassett, oh my gosh, she's amazing yeah. in this movie. I wish that she got yeah. to do more, um, but she yeah. does, you know, look amazing <laughs> at all times uh, while being incredibly regal and only needing to give her son like a few words to prompt him to, you know, get it together. And she just said, remember who you are. And that is just so powerful. I feel like I don't, I don't know, like a, in my experience, that is a phrase that, you know, gets said to your kids uh, before you send them off to school for the first time or, you know, any, remember who you are. Right. Remember who you're representing. And it's just so cool that she kind of serves this role um, in this movie and that she just has so much wisdom to give. 
Yeah. It's just, I don't know, just absolutely stellar. Kevin, you mentioned the, the, uh, the ancestral plane. And like, that's a piece of this movie too, is it just, it just looks exceptional. Like the color work is really brilliant in this, like the purple skies and everything like of that world specifically, or like the, the, like the, the red sand. It's like, it's like what he's buried in, like all, it's just this movie just like, it just pops. Like it, it is such a feast for the eyes, uh, whether it's the production value or, or choices like that, that I think, uh, really helps it stand out from the pack like beyond just like all of the very apparently obvious ways in which this movie is excellent i feel like those are things maybe it's just the way that i consume movies or tv but like often i can take that stuff for uh for granted like i can take advantage of that stuff just like it's a big budget movie the big budget stuff is there like it's a given um this is a movie that like makes me want to like hit pause a lot and like examine like what the Frick is on screen. This is crazy. What did they put on here? This all looks just absolutely incredible. Yeah, it, it is. As you said, it's a visual feast for the eyes, both in production, both in cinematography, both and and both in just actors and actresses. <laughs> just a feast of the eyes on so many levels. Um, and yeah, it's it, it it's a movie that that is that is unlike many in, in the MCU. Um, in its in its singularity, in its in its uniqueness, in its central story, um, yeah, and and as we've said, just now now give us more, please. <laughs> it doesn't look sure. like any other movie in the MCU. You know, no. it has a different look and feel to it. Um, it's just like a it's like a cool movie. You know, it's just yeah. it's just a cool movie. Yeah. Um. So let's get into some rankings. Let's talk rank. I'm excited about this because uh, I don't know where we ended up. So I'm going to be. So, so we're talking rankings. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, where we left it in Thor Ragnarok was uh, it was a tie at the top for Ragnarok and Avengers. And we wondered if Black Panther would break it. Um, Black Panther is in the top three because I gave it a six. Kevin gave it a six. Audience gives it a 5.4. Latanya, you gave it a six. Um, Sorry, I'm still trying. <laughs> I yes, I gave it a six. That's that's the Wait, highest I, score, I right? I, yes. <laughs> so this it. is my that's first time doing the ranking, so I don't really know yes. anything. That's all it's right. Like Robin Akiva, you're gonna have to explain everything to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gave it a six too, but the audience gave it a five point four, uh, which includes Latanya's six. Um, the audience average for Thor Ragnarok is a five point five. Uh, Thor Ragnarok is the number one Marvel movie in the rankings as it currently stands with 5.83. Um, but that is uh, only slightly above the Avengers at two with a 5.81 and Black Panther is a 5.8. It's that close. Uh, it is a really tight top three. And then the next drop is Spider-Man Homecoming and Civil War, which are still tied at 5.71 apiece. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think there was a part of me that felt like Black Panther was going to be number one. You know, yeah. it's it's a real game of inches here at the top with Ragnarok Adventures and Black Panther. They're all just like this could this could change. You know, next week this could be a totally different story. Yeah, and I think you know again keep 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 the rankings coming in. I I I you know deep down was just like I wanted Black Panther either at number one or number two. Number three, I'll take. Um, but uh, you know I. I'm also a realist, so I figured, uh, you know, my passion is not going to translate to everyone. Um, 
certainly. So, but like, hey, I'll I'll take it, man. Burst in the top three for now, sure. <laughs> so it's it's um, sorry, which one is number one again? Thor Ragnarok. Okay, and two is uh, the Avengers, Avengers, the first OG. Avengers. Okay, first I guess Avengers. I can understand the first Avengers being above Black Panther. People love Ragnarok. Some people think that Ragnarok has a better final battle than Captain America: Civil War, but we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> okay, Josh, it's time. Well, I think gonna, it is time for that, isn't it? Because my tea yeah. here. Yeah, we we know that uh, we did the rankings for Killmonger. We said them earlier. He is now the yep. number one Killmonger, villain. Killmonger's number one in the rightful place. Uh, and then uh, the the scene at the at the United Nations is the number five post credits ranking uh, as it stands behind the first Iron Man, the two in Avengers, the Captain America PSA is still up there as well. It's <laughs> a great one though. <laughs> uh, the the Bucky scene at the end of this is. Uh, fairly low on the list as it should be though <laughs> yeah i mean um, i don't know i enjoyed it <laughs> yeah, that's fine it was it was bucky was there you know it's bucky Sebastian stan in his hair um, <laughs> but we do we do the informal rankings which is a head-to-head with kevin and i we have to come to some level of agreement and when we don't come to some level of agreement we have to turn it over to the listeners of everything is super uh, and as it pertained to the final battle rankings, uh, Kevin and I were in a deadlock. We couldn't, uh, not the character, we couldn't decide <laughs> whether deathlock. Captain America's civil deathlock. Oh, God. Here, take my card. <laughs> Which card? Turning it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take them all. Your obscure, obscure 80s Marvel <laughs> characters. You can have it. You can have it. Uh, civil War or Ragnarok? Which had. The better final battle. It was going to be the question was which one was going to be our second best battle. Am I, we asked the listeners. Am I judging another to debate today? You're not. No. Judging. <laughs> You're not judging. You can cast a vote, okay. Tanya, if you'd like. The final battle is you know Captain America: Civil War. It's Bucky and Cap and Iron Man fighting each mm-hmm. other, or it's Thor Ragnarok and all the the shenanigans going down in yeah. Asgard. As yeah, Asgard's the getting destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I mm-hmm. I have a preference. I, but I, I yeah, want you all it. to have your discussion. Oh, we well, had the discussions. It. We, we had oh, okay. the, the, the fight over I Civil War. I thought you were going to have an argument. Had. It was going to be fun. Well, no, I think I'm just going to glow. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to glow. Yeah, so Civil War. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was Five. a 17 to 10 <laughs> vote, but now it is an 18 to 10 vote that Captain America Civil War gets the better final battle. Um, we... Uh, we we hear we've got a lot of feedback on, and this. I love Hella. Um, I mean, like, hey, yeah. Bunch did a great job, and she's she's a, Hella is a queer icon, so let her live. She's incredible. I, I love that character. Uh, Josiah wrote in and said, "My vote goes to Civil War for the final battle." Hashtag furry, not furry. <laughs> I think that reads better than that. Yeah, with the little Thor thing out loud. Yeah. Oh, wait, uh, no, you're going to read Thomas, the feedback to, to have it rub it into my rub it into me more. Okay. No, Thomas, I was, uh, Thomas says uh, all my votes go to Kevin. Hooray. Mm. <laughs> Just as a blanket. Just state <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. So well, to quote uh, Kite Man, no, hell yeah. <laughs> but it's it's uh, it's it's Civil War over Ragnarok. Uh, I won't. I'm not going to. It's fine. I'm not going to. You can gloat. <laughs> I was right the whole time, but other than <laughs> yeah. that, like we don't need to, you know, go, we don't need Fair to. Fair enough. Again, I I felt my way, but 
I, yeah. I will concede it. Obviously, the votes are in. I'm right. The votes are in. You're wrong. I'm smart. Yeah, I'm you're big. Dumb. You're small. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. I am good looking. Oh, you trun- are not attractive. Trunchbull style. <laughs> um, we got to fit in Black Panther's final battle. And when we were talking Ragnarok, we were wondering where Black Panther would land. I think it's really high. I think it's a real. I think. I think it. I have it as the fourth best. Uh, I would hear any any arguments as to whether that's too high. I, I don't think I would put it above Ragnarok and Civil War or Avengers. Um, but it is uh, the whole sequence is just staggering. It's 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 great. I think it's. I think for the same reasons that under like the same logic that Ragnarok is above Doctor Strange, which we have relatively high because it's unique because the final battle is like a, a game of wits rather than fisticuffs. Um, but I think that there is like catharsis in the final Black Panther battle um, and just like, a, again, in the same vein of, of Ragnarok, just like a visual feast in that final battle that I would I would put it right there uh, just behind Ragnarok personally. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely... Um go for that like you know heading in i wasn't thinking i was going to end up having it very very high but you know watching it again i i i do agree with that be, just because it's also the again the themes of it all right um to me the the thing that i didn't like um i liked everything on the outside i thought you know the, the, the battle on the outside was amazing i thought it was beautiful uh i think the literal um uh t'challa um versus killmonger fight uh, was a little too just, you know, I think we lost something just because it was a CG fight. I'm not saying the CG was good or bad, just there was a CG fight. But, but, while that part of it, I did think was a little bit on the weaker end, thematically, it's freaking brilliant. Because not only, yes, they're fighting on a literal underground railroad, but thematically, it heads right back to that idea that once you are out, once you are through, it is your duty to help other people, to help your people. And that is, a, I mean, the Underground Railroad where slaves helping slaves escape once they made it out to, you know, and it's that alone, I think, propels it very high because thematically, I think it fits into what the movie was trying to say and the battle taking place there, I thought was really great. Um at least, again, that's my POV on it. And, of course, the outcome of the battle is arguably one of the best lines in the Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe. that's what I was going to yeah. lead with. Uh, yeah. Bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage. Like, how do yeah. you top that? You don't. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just, there's, there's, I don't know if there's a line in the entire MCU for me, that's more powerful than that line. And to know the origin of it now just makes it all the more poignant. I, th- I think yeah. there's something probably uh, sentimental about my feelings toward this movie. I have to admit, I started watching it and I couldn't finish it because it just made me too sad to watch. Um, there's just too much foreshadowing of an actual death. You know, the ancestral plane scene, like he, it's hard to watch and we're already watching hard things, um, (laughs) the three of us. So, um, yeah, I think that line alone, um, just combined with the fact that it was 
I don't know. I think Black Panther is the best movie in the MCU, so I'm definitely going to rank that scene as the top one. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think it's a fair play, Shaz. We're not going to end up in a situation where I'm just going to be fighting you to the just teeth and but tooth I and want nail. More fights, more fights. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll probably get some eventually, but I'll let this one go. <laughs> Where does Stan Lee's cameo rank for you, Kevin? I, He's just like taking oh, the money. Kind of, pretty funny. I love that though. <laughs> oh, that was like, one of the better Stan Lee cameos. Yeah, you think Stan Lee like was like, all right, so Stan Lee, like, this is gonna be you, just like taking all the money. <laughs> yeah, well, not only that, do you get the, <laughs> do you get the undercurrent? Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> there's just something wonderful there about it, and I think it's hilarious <laughs> in the way it's delivered, and so it's definitely up there. It's not gonna, it's not gonna knock out certainly my number one. Um, what what was the number two right now? Oh, Excelsior. Uh, all right, so, he, so probably here's, not, where, here's where it yeah. is, and then you tell you tell me where it's above. Uh, so the first one is is the Watcher stuff from Guardians mm-hmm. Two. Uh, the second is Stanley getting shwasted at the Age of Ultron party. The third one is Michael Pena's voice speaking through Stanley's lips, saying the words "crazy, stupid, fine." Um, the fourth is Thor Ragnarok and him giving a haircut to Thor. The fifth is the Incredible Hulk and him drinking a gamma radiated uh, soda from uh, South America. Uh, the sixth is Civil War uh, and calling Tony Stark Tony Stank. Uh, the seventh is Thor and him pulling Mjolnir, meow, meow. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely truck. for me, it's above all those. I'm I'm probably going to put it at three above Michael Pena just because of the undercurrent wow. of the situation of just, oh, this is. And not only that, I think it was T'Challa's money specifically, too. So just the idea of Stanley taking a black man's money and just being like, I'm just going to take this and and make myself a little richer <laughs> off of that. Like, there's just something so hilariously like just, ooh, that's clever. I'm into that. So for me, it's, it is that high just because of I, that. I do just wonder how that was sold to him. Right. <laughs> All right, let's put it at three. I'm good. <laughs> Tony Stank is pretty good. It's great. a wild ride. Oh. Tony Stank is fantastic. Tony Stank is really great. Tony Stank is really good. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's there fits some good ones. I think that there's a pretty clear line of like when they like, I think like uh, the, our top seven ends with Tony Stank. And then I think like I could leave basically every other one. Uh, but that top seven right now is just unbeatable. Yeah. Uh, there's just a lot of great stuff that's going on there. Um, parting words, my friends. Uh, you know, we've we've spent two podcasts on, on Black Panther. Uh, I think that this is a movie that you could probably do just like a podcast series about Black Panther. There is just so much here. Um, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna still have stuff in Wakanda. Uh, we're still gonna have these characters to talk about in our next podcast when we get to Avengers Infinity War. But as for the film, uh, this will, this will do it at, at least for now. Um, so I want to make sure everybody has, uh, you know, the space to give their final thoughts on what this movie's meant to them, uh, what the, you know, the lingering memories, the impact of this film, just anything you want to say uh, as we, as we start closing it out. Um, Latanya, I'll, I'll toss it to you. Okay. Um, so I'll start with uh, some funny things. Um, just some funny lines that I picked up along the way before I had to stop watching. Um, 
so maybe not funny, but just like really stayed with me. The this never gets old is they're first flying into Wakanda, and we start to see that beautiful like landscape, and the the score is like so triumphant, and like it's just it's beautiful. When when Shuri raises her hand <laughs> at the waterfall to ask, um, basically for them to wrap it up because the course is uncomfortable. Um, I felt the same way about every church outfit that I ever had to wear um, where, while I sat through a four to five hour service because we're Baptists. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, again, Angela Bassett yelling, show him who you are. Um, Claw has a SoundCloud, <laughs> which is apt. Um, <laughs> that is very apt. You are correct. <laughs> um, the the fact that they say that guns are so primitive, I think, is really a powerful statement a and a great line. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, it's obviously meant to have a, a multiple meaning. Uh. So I love that part, and I also love the "Don't scare me like that, colonizer." When Shuri sees. Everett just like <laughs> pop up behind her after she's fixed him. Um, yeah, so <laughs> calling calling white people colonizers always catches them off guard just in case you're ever, mm-hmm. you know, in the mood to do so. Um, yeah, I just, you know, in terms of parting words, it's impossible to overstate how important Black Panther was and is to the Black community. You know, we showed up and we showed out for it. Um, all you have to do is look at, like, just go online and like look at all the pictures that people have, or like the children who are doing mock funerals for their like their little Black Panther um, dolls or whatever. Um, so you know, we really need, as Kevin has been saying, a lot more of this. We really need more representation, and I hope that this conversation about representation happens in light of everything that has gone on given that now Chadwick Boseman obviously will no longer be able to do the movie. I hope that Disney and Kevin Feige and all the Marvel people come together and they figure out a way to really honor the legacy of this movie and in the whole franchise and everything that Chadwick gave to the character while at the same time not diminishing kind of like the the communal grief I think that it would cause to replace this character. They they need to figure out a creative solution that incorporates all of these characters into the MCU because then we have more black characters um, you know just naturally because they're from Wakanda uh, but there needs to be more, obviously, aside from people from Wakanda. I guess the final thing that I'll say is we're happy to be able to do a two-part episode. Um, last week was more of a traditional um, homegoing celebration, which is a ritual of grief that I don't know if you all have heard of, but you've probably seen before, most likely with Kobe Bryant um, and Nipsey Hussle because they had their funerals televised. Um, they also aired them for Aretha Franklin and Whitney Houston. 
Um, so it's hard to imagine like a world where there wouldn't be some kind of event unless, you know, other than that, the pandemic, um, uh, being happy for Chadwick. Um, it's really just a time where you offer fond remembrances, right? And talk about the impact of that person's life. And, you know, this movie is impossible without Chadwick Boseman. Um, and I think that I've, really looking forward to and also a little bit dreading maybe um, what Disney and Marvel decide to do now. But overall, I love this movie so much. Uh, It holds such a like deep part of my soul and spirit. And it makes me sad that I can't watch it right now, but it's a great movie. Really, really fun. Beautiful. Kevin, what do you got? Um, I mean, I've I've said a lot, obviously. I mean, you know, um, echoing everything Latanya said, obviously, but um, definitely just the importance of getting more of this. Um, this movie was super important. Um, I, it, it just the themes of it spoke to me so deeply. As I mentioned, Killmonger is such an incredible character for me. Just to be able to see. I hate to be like someone who represents my anger so well, but someone who represents my anger, anger and frustration <laughs> at the world at times so yeah. well, um, and just kind of spoke in a way that like I could understand and like thematically again how it all works out is just really important and really great. And I just love this movie. And I'm again, I'm I'm so glad to have gotten the chance to uh, talk about this movie in this way and gone to this point of something I've been waiting to do for so long and speak so openly about this film, about race, about comics um, and the criticisms therein of um, was really great. And I'm just, you know, it's weird to be like, I'm so ha- glad I got this platform to stand upon in my soapbox and yell about, but I mean, Stan, you know, Stan's soapbox uh, from comics was a thing. So uh, here I am standing up trying to like shout into the void here about the incredibleness of this film, the importance of this film and how, this film needs to really stand as something to creators and the people in charge of these decisions to give more and allow more. And also I don't want to say invite us to the table, but you know, get rid of the table. So we're all in the same space. Like just uh, this movie has done a lot and I'm hoping like, like the legacy Chadwick left behind this movie is going to lead into a bigger legacy as well of, bigger, better, and greater things uh, across the board. All right. That's going to that's gonna do it here for us with Black Panther. Kevin and LaTanya, both discoverable on Twitter, at Kev Mahadeo, at LK Starks. Uh, you can catch all three of us. We do Lovecraft Country podcasts. Did you know that? If you're listening, <laughs> I didn't did you know, know that. that? What? <laughs> Kevin, I hope you didn't make plans Tuesday night. <laughs> Because Latanya and I are counting yeah. on you. Yeah, we're about, we're about halfway home on on Lovecraft right now, Latanya. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to hear the opposite feelings on which we've had, uh, listen to the most recent episode. And, no, uh, no, t- a tough podcast this week yeah, for but sure. A, a but good one are, and necessary. I think yeah. people should listen yeah. to it. It it really yes. highlights a lot of issues that we're facing now and. Maybe you can get something out of it that you can use in your everyday life. For sure. 100%. No, one of the 
one of you know in in the nightmare world that we live in one of the one of the things that's really good right now is that i have a weekly appointment with the two of you uh it's it's very good for my soul and uh i hope it is good for other people's souls as well uh it's been a real highlight of my podcasting career to to be a, a fly on the wall uh for that for that podcast so the lovecraft country podcast ha- happens every single week we are hitting episode 5 next week so halfway through the series uh we will have uh uh, down the hatch is out by the time you are listening to this there's more of our avatar rewatch that is out there as well pen 15 podcast is just uh is just around the corner as this is uh arriving in your podcast feeds on saturday september 12th the pen 15 premiere podcast or the preview podcast rather with myself the great emily fox and uh emily and my very good friend uh the wonderful lee mclaren making her podcast debut uh on the pen 15 podcast that we're launching on poster recaps it's like 41 ish minutes of the three of us just cringing at our own (laughs) middle school misadventures uh so i think it'll probably be that at a sustained pace for about seven or eight weeks. So you don't even have to watch Pen15. You can just listen to the podcast and listen to all the ways in which Lee, Emily, and myself will be embarrassing ourselves. It should be a pretty fun time at the movies. And by the movies, I mean, don't go there. <laughs> not yet. We're not ready yet. We're not ready yet. Unless it's a drive-in. Um, if it's a drive-in, you're good. Yeah, drive-ins are good. I recommend those. In- in- enjoy your drive-ins. I wish that there was one close to I would like that too. I would like that too. We'll be back next week with Infinity War. Send in your feed. Send in your feedback. Super at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, send in your ratings and all of that good stuff. And we'll be back soon. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.